Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Victory Friday, the August the 30th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a starting quarterback announcement. I'll tell you why it's not the end of the world and the thinking behind the move. Plus, Laramie Tunzel gives us a cryptic message, and the Dolphins played a football game tonight. We'll break that down, tell you about some options around the NFL's massive cut day, waiver wire Saturday, and it's college football Friday, baby. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter as voted by Dolphins Twitter and the show at Locked On Fins. You can find the postgame recap up on LockedOnDolphins.com as well as a link to the Brian Flores press conference where he made the starting quarterback announcement. This is a juicy, girthy, Chandler Cox-sized episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And by now, you've all heard the news that sent Dolphins Twitter into a frenzy late Thursday night. Brian Flores announces that Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Josh Rosen, will start the opening day game against the Baltimore Ravens on September the 8th at Hard Rock Stadium at 1 o'clock Eastern. And this has been Coach's Mindset. For quite a while now, ever since he let out that sigh when he was asked by Jeff Darlington back in training camp when Fitz was miles ahead of Rosen during camp with the cerebral aspect of the game, the communication aspect of the game, and everything that it requires a quarterback to do in the huddle, on the sidelines, in the meeting rooms, they felt as though Ryan Fitzpatrick right now gave the rest of the team the best chance to evaluate and win games going forward. This was just probably always going to be the plan. And look, it's really not that big of a deal, guys. I know that Rosen is the only real reason to be excited for this rebuilding transition type of year because he has a shot, albeit an outside shot, but still a shot to prove to be Miami's franchise quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick does not have that chance. But you put Josh Rosen against this quarterback class, and we'll talk about this in the third segment. You put him up against this 2020 quarterback class, At best, he's probably fourth on that list, so just relax and let it play out. But I do get the anger. I understand it fully. Allow me to help calm that anger and ease the tension a little bit. Recall back to 2016 when Ryan Tannehill started off that year horribly. He was getting intercepted, making poor decisions, getting absolutely blasted behind a makeshift makeshift (laughs) offensive line. But then he went on an eight-game tear that made folks forget about those first five games. And that happens every single season. Look at the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago. They had him for five games. He proved to be worthy of a $30 million per year contract on those five games. If it's going to happen for a guy, you're going to recognize it quickly, just like with Baker Mayfield last year, and just like you didn't recognize it with rookies in the past, like guys that we've had of our own. Young quarterbacks give way to veteran quarterbacks early in the season all the time around the league. And I want to throw out some names here that are not quite comparable. I get that. 
but it's the same line of thinking. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, all of these guys sat behind starters in front of them, and granted, all three of those starters were good players in the NFL, but the plan sometimes is better for the development of the young quarterback to let him sit and learn and absorb, to get some of those live game reps mentally before he goes out there and has to put it together physically. You go up to New England, and we all talk all the time about the influence the Patriots have on this Dolphins team and their history with developing young quarterbacks. It's just a process. Throwing him out there to just throw him out there for no reason does nobody any good whatsoever. You remember back when Cam Cameron was under pressure to put John Beck in the game, but he told us the rookie wasn't ready? How did that turn out? Now, granted, John Beck was awful and Cam Cameron was a moron, but you get the point. Look at how far Rosen came from the first day of camp up until now. Leaps and bounds. I was there. Leaps and bounds, I'm telling you. Don't you think he could very conceivably do the exact same thing from right now up till October? I'd rather see him as a more polished product for 12 games than to get him murdered because he's not correctly IDing the front, running the football into incorrect fronts, into bad looks, and taking a pounding in the pocket because he's late on his progression reads. What good does that do anybody? We saw both of these guys play 60-something reps in the preseason, but these coaches were around both of them for six months in that neighborhood. They probably have a better idea of who is executing the scheme more so than we do. And I say that as someone that strongly agrees that Josh Rosen was better this preseason. No question about it. But trust me, guys, I'm not saying this to float the boat of Brian Flores or to be an eternal optimist for the Miami Dolphins. It's just really not that big of a deal. It's not. I saw folks on Twitter saying the trade was worthless. Like, come on, there's 16 games. It's August. We have until December, until next April, to make these decisions on Josh Rosen. It's just not a big deal. Let's go ahead and transition because it is not a big deal to some other topics. But first, Josh Rosen's comments post-game I thought were awesome. He said everything you want to hear from a quarterback, especially a 22-year-old quarterback. I really enjoy listening to him speak, and I think the maturity is really rounding into form for Rosen. He talked about preparing Fitzpatrick for the games. He talked about being the best teammate, but also being disappointed because his job, or he wants to be the starter, but it's also his job to help this team and being the best backup that he can be right Right now, that's a very good mentality for the young man to have. But he also ended it by saying this, quote, it's only a matter of time until this team is mine, end quote. He's confident. He has the right mindset. You've got to like that. And another interesting post-game note to transition here off the quarterbacks entirely, reporters, namely Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald, approached Laramie Tunzel post-game because, obviously, you, you got to talk to Laramie Tunzel after this crazy last week. And Tunzel had this to say, quote, I wish I could talk, but I'm not in a position to do so right now. You know me, I'd talk all day if I could, end quote. Which is funny because Tunzel brushed us off when I was there at the game when we tried to talk to him post-game after that Bills win last season. But anyway, Tunzel is not allowed to talk, which makes me think a contract extension is coming soon, or a trade, could be either, but probably an extension. That's how Miami puts this whole thing to rest from this last week of chaotic sources and news and all the crazy stuff that was out there on Laramie Tunzel. Extend him, put it to bed, that's it, that's all. Hey, how about that game tonight, by the way? The Dolphins win, improve to 3-1 and one in the preseason, and for the fifth, 15th straight year, aside from the one year where they had five preseason games, the Dolphins go under the total in three out of their four preseason games. You can take that to the bank, and when we come back on the other side of the podcast, I'll tell you the key stats from the game, go position by position, and break this thing down. 
All of that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, before we do that, college football started tonight. We have the regular season in the NFL next week. And with a new season, with Antonio Brown on the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell on the Jets, Odell Beckham in Cleveland, the one thing that has not changed where I'm putting my money down on all these games, my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100 grand, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of huge cash prize pools. Up to $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. You can double up, put 1000 bucks in there. They'll give you 1000 bucks in return. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm telling you to make your way to my bookie, the right play every time. That's my bookie. You bet, you win, they pay. They've got live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you you can even bet on the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonus. My bookie, bet, win, get paid. I don't care if it's August. January, a team scrimmage playing against the alumni team. When the Dolphins win, it's a good day, and the Dolphins put to bed this preseason with a victory over the New Orleans Saints, 16 to 13. Miami outgained the Saints, 345 to 305. The Saints outrushed Miami, 124 to 117. But Jake Rudock was out there, outpassing Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill to the tune of 228 passing yards, compared to 181 for the Saints. Miami's penalties were way down, six for 54 yards. They went eight for 15 on third and fourth down. The Saints went six for 12. The Dolphins allowed just one sack, got two of their own, and won the time of possession battle 33 minutes and 17 seconds to the Saints, 26 minutes and 43 seconds. So we know by now about the starting quarterback announcement from Brian Flores. It is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And before those fireworks got started, really the main takeaway from this game occurred prior to the game when the Dolphins announced their did not play list and it was a mile long but there was two guys on that list because most of the players on that list were veterans that already have a spot locked up or guys that are injured and there was two names on that list that make one of those distinctions very clearly and they were Jamal Wiltz and Chris Lamonts, two guys that I think were already on the roster but I expected them to both play in this game well they didn't and now it sounds like they're going to make the opening day roster due in large part to their special teams work but also Jamal Wiltz is the primary backup nickel cornerback probably comes onto the field for dime defense situations and Chris Lamonts with his cross training both at safety and cornerback he was back there working in as Bobby McCain's backup alongside Montre Hardage and Jamal Wilts. Both of these guys really had some pop during the preseason. They grew and improved as the preseason and camp went along. I think both those guys are locks at this point, but the one guy on that list that was not injured and is not a lock was Alan Hearns. I think that's probably bad news for him as we are now less than 48 hours away from cut down day on Saturday, August 31st. 
at 4 o'clock Eastern time. One cool thing about this game that I really respected Brian Flores for was that he gave up play calling duties, as most coaches will do in this fourth preseason game, but he gave them to Eric Studsville and Tony Oden, the two holdovers from the previous coaching staff of Adam Gaze. I thought that was just a cool thing to do for him, to show that seniority and leadership and all that fun stuff that goes along with having tenure here. So good for Flores for doing that. And Studsville threw out some wrinkles in this game that were pretty interesting. One, he went with a heavy package with six offensive line. He threw Aaron Montiero out there as the additional tackle off the right side. That was kind of cool to see, but also the touchdown that Jake Rudolph threw was a really cool design. I put a video up of it on Twitter, a two-man route combination that's supposed to be a slant flat, but the slant was a fake pick and then go back to the flag, aka the corner, and Rudolph saw it and ripped it, put it in that window and scored a touchdown to Reese Horn. At the quarterback spot, Rudolph played pretty damn well in this game. He only had the one sack, but he was under duress plenty of times because as we know this offensive line struggles but he went for 229 a touchdown had the one sack and had a passer rating of 109.7 he's going to be the scout team quarterback he's going to be on the practice squad and he's a good fit for that the running backs very impressive in this game and considering the lack of really investment Miami made into the position you've got Mark Walton a seventh round pick a UDFA an AAF signing the Dolphins have a stable of backs and it starts with Walton and that UDFA signing Walton's light on his feet excels in pass protection he can flex out wide as a receiver and he had a run tonight where he bulldozed two Saints defenders Chandler Cox also had another crushing block in this game but Patrick Laird there's a video in the column where he gets out into the pass pattern after recognizing the rush knowing that the offensive line protection call had it taken care of and got out into the route he looks very good in that regard Albert Wilson was back man that was fun to see watching him run routes out there for the first time since last October he caught a pass on an over route contested catch and did his trademark wave dance that he does where he moves the chains that was awesome to see Isaiah Ford to me is on this team he's got a real nuanced knack for finding soft spots in the zone recognizing the leverage and landmarks of the defense and then to quickly show his numbers to the quarterback he's good in that way I think he's the sixth guy but I think they have to find a way to make room whether it's a trade or just to keep six receivers Bryce Butler had a good game nice catch going down to the ground. Reese Horn had the touchdown and that rookie undrafted TJ Raming, he might be a practice squad guy. He looks fast and plays at a different speed than everybody else out there. Another guy on the practice squad for my money is Chris Myrick. He had five catches on five targets for 70 yards. He looks good in the run game. He's a sneaky good pass receiver up the seam as well. I think he's in the practice squad. Offensive line, the only starter that played this game was Shaq Calhoun, and he continues to struggle, getting beat on pass sets, often lunging out over his skis. It's just not clicking for him yet. But going back to the Josh Rosen theme, and we'll talk about Nick Needham here in just a second, but going back to this idea of developing players, like we're so quick to jump on these guys for having bad games in August when they were playing like at UTEP last fall. Like, the jump in competition is severe. Give these guys time to develop. That's what the coaching staff wants to do. If they see talent in them and they think they can get it out of them, all the power to them. And that's got to be the thought process with Shaq Calhoun. Zach Stirrup, Kyle Fuller, and Chris Reed, and Isaiah Prince rounded out the rest of that group of, star of five starting linemen. I think that Reed belongs in the starting five. You guys know that by now. I thought Isaiah Prince showed some good raw traits, but he's just not ready. Probably needs a year of development to refine those traits. On the defensive line, not a lot to write home, ab home about, home about, about. Didn't really throw games at the Saints offense. Jonathan Ledbetter saw a lot of time as an edge rusher. 
off the outside five and seven techniques. He was in the backfield a couple of times, but that's not really his bread and butter. He's more of an inside player. Joey M. Boo on the inside, he was disruptive most of the night. He did miss a tackle after winning a good, good looking rep on the inside, but he's a guy that might be in there to replace Akeem Spence, who was cut earlier this week. Maybe that was to get Embu on the roster. Dwayne Hendricks collapsed the edge all preseason long, got himself into the quarterback once again in this game. It'll be tough to keep him off this roster. And even though this guy played almost all night, Nate Orchard should be on this team as well. He found his fifth sack of the preseason. That led the NFL this preseason. He forced a holding call and was probably Miami's best pass rusher in this game yet again. At linebacker, I thought Trey Watson had an outstanding opportunity but didn't really make the most of it. Thought he was late in coverage, late to get to his spots in his run fits, and he got beat pretty bad on a Tampa 2 coverage look right down the middle on one particular rep. I still think he's the backup stack backer behind Raekwon McMillan, and Nick DeLuca is another guy making a case to get onto the back end of this roster, playing a lot of snaps. I think his work as a Sam backer has been impressive for a couple of weeks now. You go back to cornerback, this was a position I wanted to watch and primarily Cornell Armstrong. I still think if they go with the sixth guy, it's going to be him. He has the special teams gunner type of ability and he played pretty well in this game. Shows the physical toughness to get himself in there to make tackles. Just like Torrey McTire did several times in this game, but he got beaten coverage. That was his bugaboo last year. If you can't cover, you probably can't play cornerback. So I don't know what happens with McTire. He's probably got a tough road to go to make this team. And I talked about Nick Needham, the guy that's been kind of beaten on by the Dolphins fan base. And yeah, he's struggled, but he talked about the competition level. He played at UTEP last year, man. Like give this guy a chance to make a play. And he made some plays. He did take a late game gamble that got him beat, but he responded and played well throughout most of the night. I think that he still has a chance to get on the practice squad because he has things in his game that makes that makes you think that the staff will like him with the footwork, the physical ability to challenge guys at the line of scrimmage. We'll see about him. At safety, Maurice Smith had a really good game in this one. I think that he's the guy that's going to replace TJ McDonald. He had a great coverage rep against AJ Derby. There's a video in the postgame thread on LockedOnDolphins.com on that. Special teams, Jason Sanders is just perfect. Love watching that guy kick. Matt Hawk was booming the ball tonight. And you guys know that I'm hard on him, so I don't take that lightly to give him praise. The recap of all of this thing was just, the Dolphins really came out hot. They ran 23 of the first 26 snaps of the game, so they really had the edge early and had guys playing really more inspired. I thought that was a good sign for the coaching staff. I love what Studsville did with the offensive play calls. We're going to have a lot of news coming down the pipe this weekend. Some surprise veteran cuts. Jadavian Clowney could be in the works at that time. Who the hell knows at this point? But I think right now, the 53-man roster decisions outside of those veteran cuts, which can change things, is mostly obvious. The Dolphins have to make 31 more cuts between now and 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. We'll have you guys covered for all of that. And we'll talk next about some guys on the waiver wire that Miami could be interested in based upon their pre-draft visits. That and College Football Friday next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, and you can find the show at Locked On Fins. Two times I limo tinted my new ride. Hung riding with the toast. Trump had not put me over. over. Championship going dumb. Nothing to something I won. Saturday is a big, big day across the NFL landscape. The Dolphins have 31 more players they're going to have to cut. And it could be even more than that because I suspect this team will look for offensive line help. 
maybe some help in the secondary, but mostly I think they'll go after guys that they were interested in in the pre-draft process that did not wind up in Miami as I think they're going to continue to build this team with a youth movement in mind. And while there are probably some veterans out there that will become available, that will be of interest to Miami, what I did here was I went back through the Dolphins' pre-draft visit and found some guys that could be on the bubble of their current rosters that Miami showed interest in. And the good thing about this list, you can notice, is there are several guys the Dolphins wound up with them on their roster. Like Terrell Hanks, for instance, was one of the options they had here. And plenty of other guys on their visit list that wound up on the roster, which makes me think there's a good chance they'll go after some of these guys we're going to talk about here in just one second if they are cut free on Saturday. And we start with a safety from the University of Utah, Corian Ballard. He was down in Miami for a couple of visits pre-draft to work out. I think he has a good chance to wind up with the Dolphins if he gets cut. Jordan Brelford, an edge player from Oklahoma State. Kevin Dern loved this guy coming out of the process. I don't think he's going to get cut. I think he makes his team. But if he does, I expect the Dolphins to be all over that. Javante Dean, the cornerback from Miami, was recently cut by the Steelers and picked up by the Browns on the waiver wire because they have high priority. If he gets cut again, maybe Miami jumps into that. Joe Deneen is a linebacker. The Dolphins could be interested in his services if he gets cut. Same with Caden Ellis, a linebacker from Idaho who Miami was pretty hot on heavy on during the pre-draft process. Tyler Gaithier, I think I said that right. He is a center. You guys should know him well from the U. He plays for the Pats right now. And maybe David Andrews getting injured or having those blood clots in his lungs, which get, get well soon, man. That's terrible. But if if Andrews comes back or if maybe Gaithier hasn't proven himself with the Patriots, that's a scheme the Dolphins like to run here as well. So maybe he finds his way back home to Miami. Kadar Holloman had several pre-draft visits with Miami, the cornerback from Toledo. He's with the Packers. And of course, Patrick Graham was there as well. So some similar ideas and concepts from that team. Fred Jones, defensive tackle from FSU. If he shakes three and Tyree Cannell from Michigan, a defensive back. He's with the Bengals right now. If he shakes free, expect the Dolphins to go after him. So that's a list of what, 10 guys here I just gave you to keep an eye on on Saturday. Again, I don't want to play the guessing game with veterans because I would be just guessing at that point. Wanted to go back off this pre-draft list and take a look at some of these guys that could be options for Miami on cut down day, which again is Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, August 31st. And now we transition into a topic we're going to have on the podcast all season long, College Football Friday. If you guys are new to the podcast, I love me some college football. I love scouting these guys. I love to bet on the games with my bookie, and I just love all of it. Can't beat college football, man. It's back. It was in action on Thursday night. Plenty of good games there. I would have won two of my bets last week if I just sacked up, sacked up and did them. I had the under in the Miami-Florida game. I had the over in the Arizona-Hawaii game, but I did not bet on them. What a dummy. We're going to get into my six picks here in just one second. But first, let me kind of talk about why I speculate on this quarterback class so much and kind of put Josh Rosen on the back burner and think about this 2020 class and... It goes back to putting Josh Rosen into that class himself, like I mentioned in the first segment. If Josh Rosen's in this class, he's not a top three quarterback, and that's a scouting consensus. People love Tua Tungavailoa, they love Jordan Love, and they love Justin Herbert. Rosen would certainly be below those guys, just like he went fifth in his own draft class. And what is Rosen's ceiling exactly? Is he a top 12 quarterback? Top 10 at best? If that's what he's going to be, Miami's going to be on the board, most likely this coming draft, to draft a guy who figures to have top three, top five elite level traits like Tua, like Love, 
and I'm not as big on Herbert, but like Justin Herbert, the skill set is there for those guys to be elite, franchise-altering cornerstone pieces that put you on the map. Is Josh Rosen going to be that? Maybe. He's not going to prove it this year behind this offensive line, but I just don't see him with the same upside and ceiling. So how do you pass on that? How do you pass on a guy that could change the scope of your franchise the way a Dan Marino once did? And I'm not calling these quarterbacks Dan Marino, and we're not talking about apples-to-apples comparison here, but if we're talking about going from a guy like Ryan Tannehill to a guy like Dan Marino, why would you even think twice about that? If you can upgrade the quarterback spot that significantly, you have to do it, and if you believe in that from your scouting, then you do it. And so we're going to start here going over these games from the four top guys in college football that could have a chance to be Dolphins next year in the draft process. We start on Friday night as the Utah State Utes go into Wake Forest to play the Demon Deacons at 8 o'clock on the ACC network. And Jordan Love lost his top four receivers last year, an offensive coordinator, but the coaching staff is keeping the same system, which is crazy to think about because they want him to be comfortable. There have been Patrick Mahomes comparisons to this guy, a very live arm, super, super gifted athlete, a top five talent, no doubt. Alabama plays Duke at 3.30 Eastern time. I think that one's on ABC. Alabama averaged 49.5 points per game last year, and Tua barely ever saw the fourth quarter. That is crazy production, a loaded offense, and a very sharp processor, the most advanced processor since Andrew Luck coming out of college, in my opinion. Georgia plays at 7.30 Eastern on the SC, or no, they're on ESPN against Vanderbilt. Another loaded offense here. DeAndre Swift is a freak of a running back. Can Jordan Fromm take another step in his biggest asset, the processing and leadership? He'll need to because he's pretty far behind the other three in the talent department and rounding out this group at 7.30 Eastern also against Auburn, the game of the weekend, Oregon and Auburn. Justin Herbert, be a quarterback. Don't just be an athlete with a big arm. Auburn's defensive line is going to come out and get after this guy and play with their hair on fire. Can he keep his eyes on the progressions downfield while he's under pressure? That's the big knock on him, and it's a huge test for him coming out of the gates in week number one of college football. And with that, yeah, you know what time it is. It's time to make our picks here. The College Football Friday picks of the weekend. I usually do a six-pack. They were kind of tough to find this weekend because not many good games. But here is what I'm going with. Oklahoma and Oregon State, both these teams don't like playing defense. Take the over on 71 points. That game's on Friday night. On Saturday morning, Boise and Florida State was moved due to weather. The under in that game is 52. Both these teams aren't great offensively. They're good defensively. Give me the under 52. Indiana goes to Lucas Oil Stadium to host Ball State. A what? I don't even know what conference Ball State's in, but Indiana's got a decent football team. 17 and a half points. Ball State gets blown out every single week. Take the Hoosiers. Northwestern is giving six to the Stanford Cardinal. They play at, I, I keep saying Pacific times here, one o'clock Pacific on Fox, four o'clock Eastern. Take Northwestern over Stanford plus six. Georgia minus 22. Going to have to win by more than three touchdowns. That game is at 7.30 Eastern on ESPN. Give me the Bulldogs. And again, give me Auburn minus three and a half over the Oregon Ducks. That game also at 7.30 Eastern time out there for you guys in South Florida. All you guys, please be safe during the weather. I know the hurricane's kind of scary. Category four coming in. Hopefully you guys kick Dorian's ass. I'm rooting for all of you guys. Rooting for this Dolphins team. Rooting for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Rooting for Josh Rosen when he gets his chance. Remember, it's not that big of a deal. He'll get out there. He'll get his chance to prove that he is the guy. And with that... 
That is going to be my time. I'll come back with you guys on Sunday night, I believe, and recap these college football performances. We'll talk about the Dolphins' 53-man roster, probably go position by position and tell you my overall thoughts from the entire offseason because all this work we've done the last six, seven months has finally come down to this. We'll give you guys all that on Sunday's podcast. But as for this one, I'm going to check out. I'm going to go watch the Utah and BYU game. I have that on DVR. I'm going to fire that bad boy up and take the rest of the night off you guys all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review check out the other locked on sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl you can follow the show at locked on fins keep up to date on the daily dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. you guys have a great rest of your night enjoy a victory friday we'll talk to you on sunday for another edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football Ball. Win, 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 win. Start chasing that chips.